The internet's full of true crime podcasts. More and more are added to the list every day. Figuring out where to start or where to go next can be overwhelming. But have no fear, I'm here to help. I'm Bob Ruff, and this is the place to find your next true crime binge. Right, welcome everybody. I uh, we're finally uh, we're only we're only seventeen minutes late, Esther. You're welcome uh, for <laughs> the show that you got to have of watching me try to destroy my computer and all of my equipment. Uh, I'm joined today, as always, by the very talented Erica Cantor, our production manager, and our guest today. I said, "What's up?" <laughs> oh, I thought you said, "What's that?" Like you want oh, me to repeat? Like I'm not saying it again. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> And our guest today is Esther Ludlow from the Once Upon a Crime podcast. Lester, Lester. Oh my god! And my guest today is Esther from the Once Upon a Crime podcast. I'm having a terrible day, and you guys <laughs> have been uh, the victims of that. Uh, Esther is the host, as I said, of the Once Upon a Crime podcast. Esther, not Lester, but Esther. How are you doing today? <laughs> I'm doing really, really good. Uh, yeah, and I I want to say thank you for having me on. I and mean, we're doing this the day after all the big exciting news of yesterday. A really emotional day, I know for you and a lot of other people. So uh, the fact that we're doing this is like I appreciate that because I know there's a lot probably going on in your mind right now. Oh, uh, it's definitely tough. To, and, and but I don't know when you guys are going to hear this, but what Esther's talking about is Adnan Syed was released from prison yesterday, and yeah, so it was. It's so hard sometimes when – so I've got obviously other cases I'm working. I have my current case and current stuff that I have to research and write. And like yesterday, I'm trying to focus on my work, work for this week. And all I can think about is that I ended up uh, – I just opened up a Zoom and threw it out and was like, anybody that wants to hang out with me because I'm going nuts. And it filled – we had – apparently it Zoom maxes yeah. out at 100 people. Yep. Yeah. I tried to get in. So there were a hundred people on the Zoom, but it, it was super cool because we got to experience, you know, so there was a hundred people on the Zoom and then I ended up then going ahead and live streaming that onto YouTube. So there was another 500 or so people watching on YouTube. Um, and so we, it was neat that we all got to experience it together. Like the moment um, I was reading the live tweets as they were coming through when we read the tweet that said, uh, Judge Finn has overturned his conviction. And the one that got me, I think I cried the hardest when I read the one that says, She's ordered the bailiffs to remove his shackles. Oh. Something about that was just so cool. Yeah, that's um, chills. Yeah, so it's definitely on top of my mind right now. Uh, and I have uh, the family of the current case that I'm working all reaching out to me. They're like, we have hope, we have hope, we have hope. Oh. Like, we've seen it. <laughs> like, yeah, so it's exciting. Um, uh, Esther, did so where did your interest in true crime podcasts begin? Are you Are you a serial person like myself or – or were you way back listening to Generation Y back in the back in the Stone Age when they first started? Yeah, I, I was I was actually pre serial. Um, I was a big podcast listener for gosh, I can't even remember when it started. Um, but I was also you know really into true crime since I was in high school, and uh, mm-hmm. my first kind of uh, entry into true crime was the book The Stranger Beside Me about Ted Bundy. 
written by Ann Rule. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I found that people are back on like a grocery store, you know, one of those little shelves, that little turning shelves with the books that they had at the checkout, you know, used to. Yeah. And yeah. I, I picked it up and I just was hooked. So after that, I really followed true crime. So, you know, fast forward two years and years later, um, and I was one of the only people I knew that was like totally consuming true crime books. Like you couldn't, like there was no tomorrow, you know, me and my sister. Um, but other than that, I didn't know anybody else. Who, and, and it was one of those things you don't really talk about it, you know, like <laughs> that you're, you're really, really into like, you know, serial killers yeah. and FBI profiling serial killers and all that kind of stuff. And so, um, you know, fast forward years later and I got into podcasts and I'm not even sure exactly how that happened, but I was listening to mostly, I think there was more like kind of news and politics and, you know, stuff like that. Um, and I was listening to a bunch of those and I thought, oh, this is cool. You can listen to this stuff anytime. And, you know, while I'm doing other things and I'm very much a multitasker. So that worked out well for Thanks. me. Yeah. So I was like, but I thought, man, it would be really great if there was like a true crime podcast. That'd be awesome, you know? And immediately I thought, mm, maybe I should do one some one day. But I'm like, I don't know how to podcast. I don't even know how any of that works, right? But I just like listening. So I started looking for them. And um, the first one, I think, I'm pretty sure the first one I found was Generation Y. Um, and okay. it kind of started with whatever they were talking about at the time and then went back and listened to all of them and just you know, kind of got hooked on that and then started looking for others. And there was a handful here and there. Um, and then, of course, like you said, Serial came out. Um, and this was already a, a few years into my my search for constantly searching for not not even true crime podcasts, but even any podcast that had episodes about something, a true crime case. About crime cases. Yeah. Yeah. Because sometimes that's that was the best you could do. Um, and uh, yeah, so Serial came out and of course, I don't even remember how I found out about it, but me, like everybody, started listening. Um, I think I had gotten some press or something, and then I found it that way and um, started listening. I thought, wow, this is amazing. And and at the same time, I was already thinking about starting a true crime podcast. And that really kind of confirmed for me that people w- were wanting this type of content. And so that was kind of how the whole idea really solidified to go ahead and, and do a true crime podcast. But I think I would have done it anyway, but just because it was, I thought it would be fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, you were early in the game. I mean, you started podcasting in 2016. So that was kind of that, you know, there was serial came out in 20 late 2014. Um, it was like 2015. The, the true crime space was kind of dominated by podcasts about serial, including my own and undisclosed and the serial serial and crime writers on serial and all the other serial. <laughs> and then it was like, that was like followed up by the, um, you know, the, the wave of, of, of the, the, the age of the independent content creator came out in the true crime space. Do you remember? I mean, it wasn't until what last year, or the year before there was no true crime category in Apple podcasts. Right. I think really? that maybe in 2020 or something like that, maybe 2018, yeah. somewhere around no there. No way. <clears throat> yeah. No, there was yeah, yeah. People don't realize like as huge as the true crime podcast space is right now, yeah. like how new it really is. It was like, because mm-hmm. you had to pick like, do I want to be in society and culture or news and politics or uh, oh, yeah. news and, and politics? And like some of them are in comedy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Because there was, there was no, and then, it took till 2020 when there's literally 5,000, 10,000, <laughs> however, 
true crime podcast, oh, maybe we should have our, our own category. But it was always tough because like like when you were like in the charts, which has been a long time since my shows were new and relevant enough to be charting. But when they were charting, it's like you were competing with like This American Life and NPR because there what they were there was no we didn't have our own category to go into. Um uh so I was um Erica did a fabulous job of of giving me these great notes that I'm reading right now. Now, to be fair, I know Esther. We're friends. We hung out like a week ago in Kansas City. Yeah. Yeah. It took me days to recover from us hanging out in Kansas City. <laughs> well, don't blame that on me, that's for sure. <laughs> I blame Lorena. I believe I wasn't the I was not the one buying all the shots, but somebody was. <laughs> that was goddamn captain it's and that's some of <laughs> He wasn't drinking all day. Like I, I Yeah. I, I got into town. Mr. Sneaky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I get into town at like noon. I'm like, sweet. And I'm staying in the same. First of all, I never should have contacted. So Esther's there. Josh Hallmark's there. Charlie World's there. Uh, and and for some reason, I, yeah, I contacted um, Captain. And I was like, hey, where are you guys staying? I'll stay in the same hotel, thinking that that's where everybody would be. Oh, no. And of course, you know he's the cheapest son of a bitch on the earth. So that we get there, we get there. We're staying at this Holiday Inn Express on the outskirts of town. I should have called Hallmark. You know, Hallmark was staying in a villa, like a block <laughs> yeah, away. From... You know, Hallmark staying somewhere nice. <laughs> yeah, and I'm stuck out there in Badlands with with Captain, uh, the ice machine that didn't work. Uh, he always said that he did that for the Michigan show too. Remember, he had he got he was like. In the wrong hotel, yeah. like in a different town or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but but like, so I get there at like noon, and Captain and Kelly are in the same hotel as me. So like, I I chatted with them. I'm like, well, let's all go to lunch. We'll start. Pre- I was excited. My plane actually arrived on time, so I was there <laughs> in time for the event. Unlike the last time I went to Kansas City, uh, so I'm like, let's go to lunch and grab some drinks. And and Captain's drinking Coke. Yeah. The whole the time. Like, what the hell are you doing? Now, Nick, Nick was drinking, but not Captain. So I, <laughs> was drinking. <laughs> yeah. So, so all day, me and Nick and, and Kelly and Hallmark, we're all drinking. Then we got to the event and Esther. I didn't know, were you drinking during the pre show, Esther? Because I was tuned up pretty good by the time we were doing sound checks. <laughs> yeah, we actually, Lorena and I actually, um, we rented a Airbnb, this really cool loft, um, and there was a store around the corner. So we loaded up on, you know, <laughs> on booze before <laughs> um, to have there at the place. So as we were getting ready to go to the venue, I said, you know, I'm a little bit nervous. You know, I've never really done one of these live show things. So I'm going to have a drink. She goes, yeah, yeah, me too. You know, so. Not only did she have a drink, but she like packed her white claws in my backpack to take to the venue. Oh, oh yeah! <laughs> I say you may not be to blame, but Lorena for sure. When we were at the bar, was like, "Let's get another round." <laughs> but she wasn't going to be on camera, so no, no fair. Um, yeah, and of course, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> there was a bar there, you know, at 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 the at the theater, which was cool and maybe not cool but yeah it was so that it, there was yeah there was a lot of that going on but you know we just we'll say we'll have we had fun okay 
Yeah, it was it was a blast. I was tuned. It was we started the show, and I just sat down, and I think Justin said it was like someone pulled your string and just let it go when you got out there, <laughs> and I just started ripping on everybody. Uh, oh, everybody God. except one lady in the audience liked it. There was <laughs> one lady oh, in the audience no. shout. Shouted out 10 minutes in for me to stop telling dick jokes, uh, which I thought was rude. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what? A, she called you out. <laughs> no. <laughs> she did. Uh, but yeah, it was, but so Captain, like all day long, is is just drinking Coke and he's pretty laid back. He was getting ready to leave for the UK, but he's like pretty laid back and chill. And then we get to the bar that night and we're all starving. And then he starts ordering rounds of shots. And like shots, like we're teenagers. He ordered Jaeger bombs. I think uh, yeah. Hallmark got everybody. I will still, I still love a, a good Jaeger bomb. Absolutely. Well, you're a child. <laughs> That's what you're. Yeah. I'm technically in my twenties for one more month. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> then I'll stop drinking uh, Jaeger bombs. <laughs> yeah. When you hit Josh was, uh, he was buying fireball shots. I'm like fireball shots. Oh Jesus. Okay. No. Mm mm. Mm mm. Absolutely not. No. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think I told the captain. I said, "Jägermeister, really, dude? I, what is it? Nineteen ninety four. I mean, what are you start drinking? Exactly. Uh, he's next. What's happening? What am I, What am I in a in a bar in two thousand three that I'm about to crawl home from on a Tuesday night? <laughs> Not that that's. that's yeah, we actually met, we actually met um, the night before. The captain was there. Um, Justin Gen Y was there. Jo- I think Josh did. Josh come that night too. I think. Um, and you know we were at this. It was just a bar. There was no food, and so we were drinking. And the captain's there. He orders coffee. I'm like, dude, like, <laughs> what is happening to you? <laughs> so yeah, he's trying to change his <laughs> change his image or something. <laughs> it ain't working. <laughs> Yeah, no, he's still the captain. Yeah, but but he's he's still the captain because when the show gets over, there's like meet and greet, and everybody's like up in the lobby. Well, captain stepped outside, like into an alley, right after the show to smoke or something, and he and he stepped out, and a group of of lady listeners step out, and then that's it. That's the last you see. He's holding court. The whole night out there in an alley with all these people up in the lobby. To oh my talk goodness! To him. They're like, "Where's?" It? I'm like, "You don't understand." He's he's the sweetest guy in the world, but that but that's the problem when we go to events like this. Is if someone wants to talk to him, he will talk to them for as long as they want to talk, and he's oblivious to the other <laughs> 300 people that that, that want to talk. Uh, but that was a that was a super good time. Uh, Esther was. and I got to hang out a little bit. Um, so getting back into your, your background, so, so your background, your background's in psychology, is that right? Yeah, I actually, um, was always, and, and you know, and it really did, a lot of it did stem from my, you know, kind of true crime <laughs> obsession there. Um, because I really got into kind of like the motivation background and stuff of, of, it started out with like the ser- whole serial killer thing, like what the hell's going on here? So uh-huh. I really started diving into a lot of the the profiler books, like John Douglas books and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and really loving to pick all that apart. So so that's kind of was like, you know, I, I love studying human psychology, especially the dark side of it. So um, I went to school for psychology. I actually in my um, I went and got a master's in uh, counseling psychology and 
my emphasis was in correctional psych. So what I did with that was I worked in juvenile hall. Um, I started there before I, uh, before I graduated, I was working there as a substitute teacher at juvenile hall. And, uh, and then afterwards, I, that was the goal was to work with, uh, you know, here in San Jose, California, especially in the, in the, well, in a lot of communities, but in my community, which was with a Latino community, there's, uh, you know, there's been a long history of, of, you know, gang affiliation and things like that. So my kind of idea was, you know, let's figure out, we, we know some of the causes of it and let's figure out maybe how we can save some of these kids before they end up dead or in prison for life. Um, you know, give them something else to maybe concentrate on or give them some other resources or things like that. So the first thing I wanted to do about that was figure out, you know, what was their life like? Um, what, what were, how did they make the decisions they made to, you know, do the things that they did, whether that was getting involved in crime or, you know, joining gangs or, you know, becoming addicted to drugs or whatever it was. So that was kind of the, the, the goal. And um, we have that in common, actually. So I spent years when I was a fireman, I would substitute teach on my days off and I would teach for our county district in like in the, the special ed division, which handled the, I worked in a school for emotionally impaired kids and I worked at the special ed department of our, um, school district ran the program at the juvenile detention center. And so I spent about half my time substitute teaching at the juvenile. Did, did you work in the, ours had like a residential side and then a, I don't know what they called it, but there was the short term side where people were like in just like awaiting a trial is going to be short term. And then there were people that were like sentenced to long sentences that they called the residential program where it was like a nine month thing. Um, and I would kind of bounce back and forth and teach in, in both places. Did you have something similar where you were at? We did. We had, we had a couple of different things. Like we had, like you said, the, uh, the juvenile hall was the lock, you know, the locked facility where they were there. Usually they were there for awaiting trial, but sometimes they were there if they're, if they had a sentence that was, you know, less than a year or whatever, they'd be there. Um, they, they'd stay there. Sometimes they were sentenced to other things like, um, of course, California Youth Authority, which is like prison for kids. Um, and of course, then they were sent away to other, there's several facilities for that. Um, but they also had like what they call the ranches, which was kind of like the residential thing you were talking about. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were kind of up in, um, you know, in, in more of the, the little bit more of the, we don't really have rural, but more of the rural areas here, um, kind of up in the hills and stuff they'd have. Uh, it, it'd be like they were in boot camp, kind of, you know, kind of like that. Yeah, that's kind of how ours was. Right. Yeah. And it was similar to what you were, you know, ours was, there's a, it's not a Latino community, but um, Benton Harbor by us is, is, it's a predominantly black community with a lot of gang problems and stuff there. And it was really heartbreaking because you'd get to know these kids in the residential program and you teach them and they were real big on like soft skills, like teaching them manners to it. Like when you, when you'd walk in, they would all come in and shake your hand and introduce themselves to you. They worked on all these skills besides the actual school work. And then, you know, they'd be getting ready to get released because I'd see the same kids keep coming back. And so I was like, listen, everything you've learned here, take home and and just keep yourself out of trouble. Like you've learned some great skills here. And it's just heartbreaking because I've had a couple of them just like in tears telling Mr. Ruff, I can't, if I act like this when I go home, they'll kill me. I can't act like this when I go home. And then they get, they get sucked right back into the same 
problems that led them to how they got there to begin with. Right. But that's a bummer. So we'll move on from that. <laughs> but to answer your question, I mostly, wor- I mostly worked in the lock facility. I was there um, mostly in the lock facility. So I got to work with yeah. kids, you know, anything from, like I said, you know, just breaking into, you know, cars to, um, to rape and murder. You know, they were there. Um, right. Until they got sentenced to wherever they were going. But yeah. So you you started your um, podcast Once Upon a Crime in 2016, um, but it's not your only podcast. You had another podcast, for, um, which I was unaware of till just now reading this um, after my printer issues that I had before this. Um, uh, but but according to yeah, according to Erica's notes, you had a podcast called Let's Taco About True Crime, and uh, and Erica writes where she brought a fresh and spicy take on true crime. <laughs> okay. That, I didn't write that. That's a quote. <laughs> <laughs> Not taking credit. <laughs> so tell me about, tell me about uh, Taco about true crime. So that launched after Once Upon a Crime. I'd been doing Once Upon a Crime for, uh, I can't even remember when I did that one, maybe a couple years after. Um, and it was really just because... So Once Upon a Crime is a is a scripted narrated podcast. So I research and write and, you know, it's just me. And I tell these stories, you know, as, as all these, these true crime case stories. Um, and so I never really get to talk to anybody. And I also didn't really, because all of the cases that I cover are things that have already been resolved. Um, I don't do like unsolved cases. For, I mean, I think I might have done one or two. Um, but I don't, re- I don't do unsolved. I don't do things that are still being, you know, litigated or that kind of thing. Um, I do things from the past. That's why it's called once upon a crime. Um, so mm-hmm. I didn't get to all this, all this true crime con- new true crime content was coming out. Like people were following things or things that were new, like new documentaries about cases or anything like that. So I, <clears throat> I never got to talk about those with anybody. So I thought, you know, it'd be kind of cool just to have guests on just to talk about, Maybe things we've watched or cases that are in the news or, you know, something we'll pick one topic or one case or one documentary or something for each one and just, you know, talk. Sometimes there are other podcasters sometimes they were, um, you know, other other people in the business. Um, so it was just a fun thing to do. Um, and I did it for I did it for a season and then we were going to bring it back. But then it was. I think I think COVID happened and there was just like a bunch of delays. So I would like to do another discussion podcast at some point, kind of like what you're doing. Um, but I have to figure out how to how to fit that in, you know, at some point. Yeah, it's tough. You have to have an Erica. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you have you have a Lorena. Does she have time to go. schedule all your interviews? Oh, she does a lot of my research. She does a lot of the the back end, you know, business stuff. So yeah, it's it's probably a lot on her plate. You know, I, I we'd have to see how much she want want to take on to do a lot of this stuff. She's and she's also the one who's kind of like, oh, you have this going. Oh crap, I do. <laughs> uh, <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> kind of you know managing me so I don't let things fall through the crack. Uh, yeah, it's it's sounds familiar. See, Eric. <laughs> Except you don't you don't remind me about shit until I'm already you want me late to text for it. You next time your dentist appointment is coming up. <laughs> yeah, so we have a shared calendar. 
And I have to put my stuff on. I put I put things like that on there so she knows not Scheduling to schedule interviews. But yeah. So she has on her calendar. She knows when my dentist appointments are, when, when I'm picking yeah, up my you're kids. Very, you're very on top of your dental hygiene. I appreciate that. <laughs> That's right. Goddamn right. Uh, and, and she will always let me know that I that I have an interview coming up. If it's five minutes past the time and I'm not on yeah. yet, then I'll get the reminder like, hey, yep. did you remember? <laughs> yeah. That's accurate. Yes. She actually scares me though. Because like, to, yeah, t- today, like today I was freaking out because my printer wasn't working and I'm ac- I'm actually terrified of Erica. She's mean. I call her my, no. uh, uh, she's, she, <laughs> she's my nag. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to be yeah, on Erica. True. I know I'm usually on by now, but I'm still trying to print stuff. I'm sorry. <laughs> She's gonna be super mean. I literally was going to text so nice. you last night. I was going to ask you about scheduling something last night, and then I was like, "Hold up, maybe not the day that Adnan said gets released from prison. Maybe he can not think about true crime binge for just one day." <laughs> I was good. So I spent my evening like yesterday. We got rid of our so we had a Esther. We had a a, a feral cat. Uh, have kittens. I always want to say lay kittens, like they laid eggs. Uh, she laid kittens in my garage. <laughs> and I've been trying to get rid of them forever. And some, I finally got rid of the last kitten yesterday. So after all the emotional uh, experience of Adnan, then I spent the rest of my evening oh. hosing all the cat shit out of my garage so I could start parking in it again. <laughs> I was literally going to ask you if you celebrated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Be- Becky comes home from well, I don't know where she was at. My wife came home. She's like, I, I thought you'd be like sitting down having a drink. I'm like dripping and sweat in the garage, scraping old cat shit off the concrete floor. Like I can't stand it. The garage stinks. My life uh, is so glamorous. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anybody that thinks my life is glamorous, they should see the the, the stuff that I'm doing around here when I'm not podcasting. Uh, so so tell us about once upon a crime it's interesting so you mentioned already that you you generally do stories that are solved you don't do open-ended cases um and you kind of break things down by by chapters because so kind of explain how that works so the way that i thought about it when i was going to start the podcast so if you guys remember i mean maybe people still do it i was never good at it um a blogging remember blogging where you had you had to blog, right? You had to blog, and and you had to blog several times a week so people could find your blog, and you could you know all of this. So I thought kind of the same con- concept with the podcast, you know. And I thought, okay, I'm going to need to figure out because one of the things I had the hardest time with is about blogging was figuring out what to write about next, you know. And I thought it's going to be the same thing with the podcast. Since I'm doing an a, an episodic podcast, it's not like going to be one case over several episodes. I'm going to be doing a different case every time. I'm going to have to figure out what I'm going to be covering. So I'm not delaying in between you know, publishing because I'm trying to think of what should I talk about or what should I research or whatever. So I thought about doing it. Okay, if I start off, because my first thing was I'm going to start off with three episodes. I'm not going to launch until I have three episodes ready to go. And I thought, okay, well, maybe I'll make it so those episodes somehow are connected to one another by theme or topic or type of crime or something like that. I always think in titles. 
uh, one of the first things I did was was really brainstorm to figure out what am I going to call this podcast, and that took you know <laughs> at least a month. Um, and um, before I hit upon you know once upon a crime, and I thought, oh, that sounds good, and it kind of incorporates all the elements that I want. It, I do more of a storytelling style. It's all uh, cases, like I said, that from the past, so it's a little bit of that. So I thought, okay, to do that, let me think of a, like cases that kind of fit together in some way and then like create a topic with a title for each month and then do cases mm-hmm. in that month. So it helps me, what it does is it helps me to think of several cases at once that what I'm going to cover and they're all going to kind of fit inside this this topic. So the very first um series well every month is a different kind of series that I did was called Lost and Found and that was all about people that had gone missing and then were found, you know, years or decades later. So those are really uh, amazing stories. So I picked three cases. It was the um one from here in Lake Tahoe was um oh my gosh. Well, there's Elizabeth Smart from Utah. Remember Elizabeth Smart, the the girl that was uh, mm-hmm. taken mm-hmm. by the crazy zealot guy. I don't know who he, his name. Mm-hmm. Um and then there was the the Cleveland kidnappings with the three girls that were held by Ariel Castro um for one for over eleven years, something like that. Mm-hmm. I swear. So this is what's wrong with my brain. It's trying to remember. Um the other one was oh gosh. From Lake Tahoe she was held in Antioch. His name was Garino. What was her name? And I swear, I even follow her on Twitter, but sometimes I drop blank. But anyway, she was kidnapped when she was 12, 11 or 12. And she was found like over two decades later. She had been held by him um, and she actually had two children with him. I mean, not with him, but, you know, he, he raped her and she, she gave birth to two children um, and before she was uh, ultimately you know, discovered and rescued. So that was, that's the way I thought about it is, okay, so next month I'm going to do a different topic and find cases that fit within that. So that's kind of what I mean by chapters. So it's all within one theme and each episode is like a different chapter of that book, if you know what I mean. Awesome. And that, and you do a different chapter every month. Mm -hmm. Every month it changes. Yeah. Awesome. Well, your current chapter you're covering is Crimes on Campus. Um, and the, so if anybody's interested in that, is it, so that's your, that's your topic for September, right? Do you know what October's topic's going to be yet? Yeah. October. I always do. I do two things in October because I'm a big, um, I'm a big rock music fan. It was a, you know, big, you know, metal band girl from way back when, um, went to all the concerts and all kind of stuff. Really? Yeah. So sure. I, I love, you know, I love all the, you know, music. And uh, so I always do Rocktober in October, which I find something that you musicians or something having to do with, uh, you know, music or musicians, cases that uh, cover that. And then I also do a Halloween episode, usually something. And Lorena loves horror. I am not, not a horror fan, but I will find cases that kind of somehow have some connection to maybe a horror movie or a franchise or something like that. And she helps me with that. And uh, we usually do like a kind of a spooky Halloween you know, horror thing. Well, she wants more horror this time. Usually I just do spooky, but she wants horror. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, we're going to today talk about the episode you covered in episode number 188. Uh, the title of the episode is Body of Ooh Typo. Oh, typo. no, I just saw it too. <laughs> oh, no. I never well, typo. Le- <laughs> 
Esther, today we're going to talk about your episode, no. Body of Evidence. Body of Evidence, <laughs> Sierra Lamar. I'm so ashamed. Isn't that right, Erica? Body of Evidence. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You've never heard that one? You word? didn't see the... <laughs> You you didn't see the red line underneath? <laughs> I did not. I moved on too quickly. <laughs> um, listen, I'm going to make it an ex- I, I'm going to assume, Esther, that what Erica meant was body of evidence, Sierra Lamar. Uh, <laughs> it's part of the body of evidence <laughs> chapter series on the, po- on the podcast. So why don't you kind of give us the, the basic brief kind of beats of that case and give people an idea of, of – uh, what the story is so they can listen to it on your episode 188. So the body of evidence series overall was um, when people were went missing, uh, the body was never found, but a person was still charged with the murder. So that's kind of rare for that right. to happen. Um, so I found three kids. One was a Stacy Peterson, you know, the what was the guy's name? Um, Peterson. There's so many Petersons, right? I know there's, <laughs> Her, yeah, her. <laughs> right. Yes, Stacy. Run away from anyone named Peterson. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so those were the cases I covered. Well, this one, Sierra Lamar, happened here in my area, a, a town called Morgan Hill, California, which is just South County here. I live in San Jose, California, which is uh, San Francisco Bay Area. And uh, South County is, 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 of course, south of here, going down 101. And she was 15 years old, and in 2012, she got up to go to school, um, went to go catch her bus, which, like I said, in Morgan Hills, a little bit of a more rural area. There's a lot of, like, farm. Um, there's, a, what do you call, there's a lot of, uh, they have a lot of horses there. So I guess, what, what are those called? Ranches, I guess? Um, you can tell I'm a city girl. I don't know anything. Ranch sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of place where they'd shovel cat shit out of their garage. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, the rough ranch. So (laughs) the rough cat ranch. Um, (laughs) So, uh, so yeah, so Morgan Hill is, it's, I mean, it's, it's just a, it's basically a suburb of, uh, you know, uh, San Jose kind of it's, but it's its own town. It's, um, and it's, it's smaller. um, And they're a lot more rural. So where she would go catch the bus was kind of on this, this, you know, less less traveled road. It wasn't traveled very much. So she would go in the morning. It was like seven o'clock in the morning to catch this bus. She was the only one that caught the bus at that place. So it's that kind of, you know, thing. Um, mm-hmm. And she just disappeared. She went missing. She disappeared. Um, and wasn't it was she wasn't discovered missing until her mother got home from work that night and started asking around, figuring, trying to figure out where she was. And um you know, nobody had seen her. And then she found out that she had not made any of her classes. So the last place that we know that she was seen was at her home and leaving for school because she texted a friend about meeting her that morning to exchange makeup before a class. Um, and uh, oh, so that was the case that, uh, that I covered as, as far as body of evidence, because unfortunately this 15 year old's body has never been found. Um, and yet somebody was, um, a suspect and investigated and tried and convicted for her for her murder. So they were actually tried for for murder even without the body. And you, so that's the the case with all of them in the body of evidence series. Yeah, it, it it's it's usually um there was two of them that were and then the other one the the 
the Stacey Peterson case was actually the one where he was actually convicted of the murder of his first wife, not of Stacy, because Stacy was his, I can't believe Stacy might have been his third wife. But anyway, he was, she, Kathy Peterson um, was found dead in her bathtub and they basically said it was an accident. Um, is his name also Michael Peterson? That's why I'm getting confused. I'm trying to remember his, his name. <laughs> uh, I thought he was also another, oh, you guys will know. Um, people will know for sure. Um, yeah, people are probably screaming it right now. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> I think it was. I think it was. I'm like, it's not, it wasn't Dave, is it? I get all the Petersons confused. Me too, me too. I know. And I, I believe there was, he was, this, I don't know, I'd have to look it up. But anyway, um, but she went missing, wasn't found. They, of course, suspected him because she was, you know, looking to divorce him. He was very controlling. He was the the cop. He was the cop. Um and uh, then they started looking into the death of his of his wife that died supposedly by an accident and convicted him of that that murder but not of of Stacy's murder so um so that was the only one that was a little bit different he was convicted even and but there was the the nobody case as well that they were still investigating um and in that one so to be clear it's another peterson possibly michael peterson yeah <laughs> That was convicted of his wife's murder, who was what was previously ruled an accident. Yeah, so I don't see how that's confusing. And two at wives died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, interesting. Isn't that? Yeah, it's crazy, right? Just like the other Peterson. That's why it's so confusing. Uh, yeah, there's, there's just way too many Petersons. Um, but yeah, so people will know if they look up Stacy Peterson, and people probably, as soon as they hear that name, they, they'll know that case. It, there was even a, um, a made-for-TV movie with Rob Lowe who played him. I don't know if you remember that. And it was like, he was super creepy in that, in that role. People, yeah, <laughs> super creepy. Um, Every time I, hear, I think of him, all I can think of is literally, he was yeah. literally convicted in that one from Parks and Rec. Um, yes. But so, th so yes. this case, it's always interesting to me how they are able to find and convict someone when they don't have a body. So in, in this case, they use dogs to track her scent and found out she only made it about halfway to the bus stop. Uh, mm -hmm. And and we're talking about Sierra, the 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 case from your your one eighty eight uh, episode one eighty eight. She only made it about halfway to the bus stop. Somebody obviously picked her up. Um, they eventually found her phone in a field a few blocks away from the bus stop. Um, uh, then they find her purse, keys, lunch money, or inhaler, school books, and all uh, school books and all of her clothing are found in a shed uh, less than two miles away from her house. So how how did they get from there? They, you know, they start obviously seeing signs that obviously there was some kind of foul play here. How do they get from there to uh, Antolin Garcia Torres, who is the man that was ultimately arrested, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and, and these are the kind of cases that I really like because they really are just all really good old-fashioned detective work. You know, painstaking mm -hmm. detective work. And this was one of those cases that was, it would have never been solved if these detectives weren't as dogged as they were. I've done a few cases like this and I, I want to like, I want to like hang out with these detectives and just like tell them how much I appreciate what they've done because it really is. It's, it's very meticulous work. So yeah, that's what happened. There was, there was the, um, of course the, the search it became there. And there was a couple of elements of this case that really stood out to me. One, of course, because it was so close, close to me. Um, also because she was, uh, Sierra was, um, you know, just a, a, a normal, typical 
girl. She wasn't, um, you know, there wasn't anything like parents didn't have money. There wasn't anything, you know, it, it was just a normal, a normal girl. And I think that the fact that her case got so much, um, so much press from the beginning, from the very beginning when she went missing. I remember because like I said, being in the area and it was all over the news, there was flyers everywhere. There was, um, you know, right away it became, you know, countywide and then statewide people looking for her. And so that's how they were able to find some, you know, some of this evidence was everybody was out looking. Um, And this is a strange thing about uh, Garcia Torres was that he had a record um, of just stupid crimes, just dumb shit, like um, being aggressive with cops who had come to the house to not even dealing with him, but a roommate, um, and then just being a punk. I mean, he just, the guy is a piece of crap. I mean, he's just one of those people. And um, so he got arrested for that. But the reason they were able to tie him back to this case was through DNA. And the reason they had DNA from him is that because he was 21 years old at the time of this crime, um, and he had a girlfriend who got pregnant, like it was a couple of years earlier, I believe, who was only, I believe, 15 or something like that at the time. She was, she was much younger than him, um, and she was a minor. So he actually got arrested because there was some other charge, but he also got arrested, or he also got charged with um, statutory rape. So that's why they took his DNA. Now, that charge was dropped, but they had his DNA on file. So when they tested... This uh, the things they found that, that were Sierra's. They found his. They got a match to his DNA, and so that's how they started. Then they started um, basically doing surveillance because they didn't have enough evidence to you know, you know, haul him in. I mean, they think they hauled him in for questioning, and he said some really stupid things as well there. But um, but they started really just surveilling him and looking into his background and all of that, and were able to tie enough pieces together. Um, to finally be able to get a warrant um, and get other evidence against him, things that he had in his car and and all of that. Well, there's a lot more to that story. You can get the entire story in episode 188 of the podcast, Once Upon a Crime. Her name is Esther Ludlow. And like I said, the podcast is Once Upon a Crime. Check it out. There are how many episodes? You've got over 250 episodes at this point that people can binge on? Yeah, over 250 episodes now. Yeah. So plenty of episodes to be your next big true crime binge. And Esther, thanks so much for joining me. I appreciate it, especially putting up with all my technical difficulties. I'm getting on Amazon as soon as I'm done with this to order a new mixer. I quit. I give up. I'm going to order the same one you have because yours works fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it's it's so far so good. I know it's the technical stuff is people don't understand. They think, oh, you just plug in a mic and you start talking and everything's great, you know, and nah, not exactly. There's always glitches, you know, like anything. And you're always trying to figure out those things. But I have to quite, I have one question for you, though. So how did okay. you actually, and this is always a question I have for, for podcasters. How did you learn to podcast? Because you've been around for a little while. And I know that back in the day, they didn't have like schools of podcasting or anything like that. You had a, right. so how did you learn? I learned, I watched a YouTube video in 20, end of 2014. It was what appeared to be a 13 year old boy. 
uh, <laughs> that had a seven minute video on how to create a podcast. And <laughs> and he said to download Audacity free podcasting software, hook up a microphone and to edit on Audacity. And then, gosh, what was the name of the Podomatic back then? Was a free hosting platform where you could host it. Literally in seven minutes, this this kid said, "Here's the steps to make a podcast," and then from there, he's just learning as we go. Like I think most of us have done over the time. How did how did you learn? Because because you started out with like I've listened to your first episode. You started out with like good equipment and good sound quality. Most of us didn't. I did, but that was crazy. Um, but I actually, you know, at, to, to go backwards, I actually started a podcast in 2012. Now, it wasn't anything anybody ever heard, um, uh, but, but it was on Apple, you know, I, what, is, what was it called at the time? Uh, Apple iTunes. I don't know what the heck it was called. Now it's Apple Podcasts. Um, but it was on there and uh, and it did fairly okay, I guess. I don't really, I mean, I really didn't know numbers as far as, you know, I didn't know any of that stuff, but... Mm-hmm. Because like I said, I was a podcast listener and I thought, oh, that sounds kind of fun. Um, And this is really ironic because I thought I had to write, you know, when you're in school, you're writing papers constantly. I'm always writing and researching and writing. And I thought, man, it would be so much easier just to like talk rather than write. You know, I could just talk on, you know, and tell stories or whatever. Now I write a script every single week that's like, you know, between you know, 12 and 25 pages. And it's like, what yeah, yeah. the hell did I do to myself? <laughs> I was like, I'll never write another yeah, paper when I, when, I, when I graduated, you know, from grad school. I thought, that's what I done. <laughs> and now it's every single week. So, but yeah, so I started this party and it, I just because I wanted to learn how to podcast. I thought that sounds like it would be fun. And I was a big reader. I used to read a lot. And I thought, I'm going to do a podcast about just books and reading. And so, uh, what the hell was it called? Um, God dang. See, my brain, man. It's it's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, there's just way too much true crime stuffed in there and nothing else fit. Um, so, so yeah. So, it was, this, so it was a podcast about just, you know, books and things that were coming out and, you know, authors and literature, whatever. It wasn't, and it was, again, it was just me kind of talking but I did it just to, um, it was called the Book Nerd Podcast. That was what it was called, the Book Nerd Podcast. And um, and so I did it just, again, just to learn. And so I just had to go find anything I could. I think I did Google searches or, you know, whatever, and just piecemeal trying to figure out how to do this. Like you had to learn about the RSS feed and you had to learn about, you know, this and how do you, you know. It's so it was really very piecemeal, but it was just for fun. So it didn't matter. Um, and yeah, so I did a, a handful of episodes with that. And then I did a second podcast over that that was actually did pretty well. Um, when I was I was a counselor, I was doing um, marriage and family counseling for a while. That's what I was doing when I started Once Upon a Crime and then having mm-hmm. to give that up to do this full time. But um, I started a podcast called the Two Minute Marriage Counselor. And, um, and it was, you know, five minute or less little episodes about diff- just little elements of things about, you know, how to improve your marriage or whatever, because that's what I was doing for a living. I thought, oh, that'd be good, you know, way to give this resource to clients and stuff like that. And then I thought, but that's more work. That's my work. I don't want to work. I just want right. to have yeah. <laughs> I just want to have fun podcasting. So I'm going to do true crime just for myself, just for fun, you know, and that's how that yeah. all happened. Yeah. And, and then it was that thing when I decided I'm going to do this true crime podcast. And now I know people want to listen and, you know, they're looking for this kind of content because serial's over and 
all of that. Um, then I went crazy and did a whole, we were talking, Bob and I were talking about this earlier, about the whole, this big audio mixing board and, and, and you know, all of this stuff and recording equipment, which was very intimidating and took me forever to figure out. So that's why my podcast was supposed to launch six months before it did. But I was a little bit intimidated by that audio equipment and uh, took a little bit longer to kind of figure it out. And I worked on that board for like four and a half years before I realized this is way too much. Like people wouldn't ask me, oh, we're going to, I'm going to start a podcast. What do you, can you give any advice? I said, I'll give you one piece of advice. Don't do what I did. Don't do that. Don't spend a bunch of money. Don't get this equipment that's ridiculous that you don't need. You're not mixing music and, you know, all of that. Um, keep it simple. And that's what happened when I first started podcasting. It was very simple. And then, but I thought, oh, I got to do it right. You know, I got to do it right. I mean, I'm glad I did. It, it worked out well. Um, but yeah, I've I've downgraded and it's a lot easier. Well, it's, we've got the digital stuff now, so it's a lot easier than all of that analog. Yeah. You know? um, and I'm definitely, I was serious about that. I'm downgrade because I have some very nice expensive equipment, but it malfunctions all the damn time. <laughs> um, and now there's for a fraction of the cost of this. Yeah, I can do something simpler. Um, and with that, I'm going to let you go, Esther, but thank you again so much for joining us again. Uh, her name is Esther Ludlow. The podcast is called Once Upon a Crime. Check it out. Be your next big true crime binge. Thank you so much, Esther, for joining me. Thanks. Crime Binge is an NBI Studios production and is distributed by Audioboom. Produced and edited by Mike Bussing. Music and artwork by Shane Yoder of PutThemInASong.com. Our website, TrueCrimeBinge.com, was created by Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com. If you're a listener and would like to recommend a future guest or a podcaster that would like to request an interview, you can do so right on our website. And again, that web address is TrueCrimeBinge.com. If you're enjoying the show, please do me a huge favor and take a minute to rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you're using to listen. And make sure you give us a follow on social media. We can be found everywhere at True Crime Binge. Thank you so much for listening and make sure you tune in next Wednesday morning for another podcaster, another case, and another True Crime Binge.